over these summer months, I'm going to invite you and me to enter into a conversation about, well, some old words, some terms that maybe we don't think a lot about anymore in our Christianity and church, some thoughts that may have been left behind because we think they really don't matter as much anymore. But I want to spend time with you this summer talking about some of these because what I have really been blessed with in my life is the realization of the recapturing of these deepens our faith. I also want to do it to share, to save you from being embarrassed. Problem is, when you come into church and someone sees you, they think you're a Christian. And then they may think that you know Christian things. So they may want to come up to you one day, be a co-worker, a friend, a neighbor, or maybe a child or a grandchild, and say, Hey, so tell me about sin. Or tell me about how you understand the Bible. Or what's the Trinity? How many of you are ready to launch into a very articulate conversation about those topics at the drop of a hat? (laughs) Have you seen the show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? (laughs) I have. I'm not. But I want to give you the chance and me the chance, quite frankly, to come at least to a basic understanding of these Christian principles, not because, well, they're just sort of there and you need to know them, but because I truly have come to know they will empower and impact your faith walk. And yes, I really do mean the overused term, change your life. So today we're going to talk about the Trinity. I'm asking Steve to read a passage of scripture that we find um, in Acts 2, and they're selected verses. So if you try to follow along in reading the Bible in Acts 2, you're going to get lost a bit. So turn in your, in your bulletin. Turn in your bulletin. Yes, I'm going to wait. It's printed there for you on the inside panel. And Steve's going to read those selected verses. And I believe there are sermon notes there on the page. Are there not? You might want to keep them open. Who knows? I might say something you want to write down. Steve? But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. You that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. 
Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of powers, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you, as you yourselves know. This man, handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death, because it was impossible for him to be held in its power. This Jesus God raised up, and all of that, all of us, are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this, that you both see and hear. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Before I begin, I'd like to invite us to join in a time of prayer. And instead of my praying aloud the prayer I'm thinking in my head, I would like to invite you just to enter into a time of silence and let us individually pray to God so that we can be prepared to receive whatever it is that's going to be placed in our hearts in the next few minutes. Would you join me in an attitude of prayer? Receive our prayers now, and to your glory we offer them. Amen. So who are you praying to? You don't know? Praying to God? What God? Are we praying to the Father or the Son? Or the Holy Spirit? How do you know the God you're praying to is the Christian God? Isn't this fun? (laughs) You see, I think most of us pray to God. Amen? I mean, we pray to God. We drop down our knees, we pray to God. We drive in the car, we pray to God. You know, know, we don't know who's going to win game seven tonight, we pray to God. You know, we, we just pray to God. We throw prayers up to God. Because, you know, that's, that's, well, that's who I pray to is God. But what God, what, what about your understanding of God makes 
the God you're praying to a Christian God? It doesn't matter. Well, it seems, at least according to Scripture, that it does. The doctrine of the Trinity is not to be found in any one passage of Scripture. Let's be clear about that. The passage that I had Steve read from you right now does talk about God, right? You can put it, put it in front of you. It talks about God, right? And has some explanation about who Jesus Christ is, right? And the context of this passage is when the early church experiences for the first time, for the first time, the full outboring power of the Holy Spirit. So you got God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. So it's not that the Bible says there is the doctrine of the Trinity. The church didn't figure that out until 400 years after Christ. Because up to that time, they were basically going on the assumption that everybody knew who they were praying to. But as they began to realize that the mission of the church was going to go out across different lands and beyond generations, they needed to find some way to describe, well, who is this Christian God? And so you find the Nicene Creed. And if you you know, want to, in the, in the hymnal on page 880... There is the Nicene Creed. And if you have, go to the next page next to that, you'll find the Apostles' Creed. And you'll find that both of those creeds of the church, this is what we believe, this is a core of what we think is uniquely Christian, are wrapped around the idea that there, are, there is the doctrine of the Trinity. That that was what was going to help us understand our unique gifts or assignment to the world in the discussion about who is God and who are we as a result. And so we come up with this doctrine of the Trinity. Let's see if we remember our confirmation class training. Oh, gee, I know. (laughs) People are diving for cover. You don't have to say a thing. I'm just going to remind you. There is how many gods? There is one God. In the Christian church, we believe quite strongly there is one God. And there are three, now here's the interesting thing, we all have different terms for this, three persons of God, three essences of God. Even if you will, I've heard people say three manifestations of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's right. So we talk about God as being one, and yet there are three ways in which we engage with this God, or rather more practically, the way this God engages with us. So there is one God, three persons, you figure it out. The math does not work. The way we talk about this three-person part of God changes. Some people I've heard refer to this, this three-person understanding of God as well. It's like Rick Dake. Some people think, that, well, one person, I said some people, one person thinks of Rick Dake as a husband. I almost said more than one. That's more than one. <laughs> Let me be clear. One person thinks of Rick Dake as a husband. Two people in the world think of Rick Dake as dad. And four people think of Rick Dake as poppy. Am I the same guy? Yeah. But I am three different expressions or experiences in the context of relationship. That's one way I've heard people talk about this concept. I've heard people use this term, this other understanding, that it's, a, it's the same entity but expressed in different ways. And I've heard the model of, well, God is water, 
And Jesus Christ is the ice and the Holy Spirit is the steam. It's all water, but in different forms. You got it? Amen? I've even heard that taught to our confirmands. The problem with that image is, can steam ever be ice at the same time? I hope the answer is no. There may be somebody who knows better than I. I don't think that's possible. But in the doctrine of the Trinity, you never surrender one aspect of God. It's not like one's going off on their own. Okay? I've heard some people talk about the Trinity as this. Creator, Savior, Holy Spirit. Or Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. Okay? The first refers to an idea of the fact, well, first there was God. Back in the old days, back when Moses and Abraham and all those dudes were walking around in Genesis, there was God. And then we tiptoe into the future, and now God needs to do a new thing, so God becomes, oh, Jesus Christ as well. And then not too far into the future after that, Jesus dies, goes into heaven, and a new expression of God goes out, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's sort of like God sort of grows up. I've heard people describe the Trinity that way. It's the wrong way, but I've heard people describe it that way. Because, again, no, at no time does any one of the three persons quit being the totality of God. And if you understand that, then you're smarter than me. Because the doctrine of the Trinity is, by definition, larger than our capability to rationalize and explain. If your God is small enough that you can explain all there is to know about this God, then I'm going to suggest to you, you don't have a big enough God. And you sure don't have the God of the Christian church. Now here's the example that I came across when I was down at Duke, uh, getting ready for this sermon series back in the spring, which I really love. Now, I'm going, to really, I'm going to impress you. Oh, baby. I got that. Go on now. Hold on. This is good. You ready? A chord is made up of three major notes. They don't understand how big that is for me. So, like, so like the C chord starts with a C. Is it called C, C major? What's it called? C major. Ah, see, I'm doing okay. Leslie, can you play a C major for me? Oh, man, isn't that good? Just do that again. Oh, man. That's a beautiful note, isn't it? Now, here's... Okay, now this is getting good. If you add the E chord just above it, right? E note. E note. I don't know this stuff. Is that not beautiful? Now, what if you put them together? Oh, man. Now, are you ready, Rock? You're impressed, aren't you? You are blown away. All right. I'm not even looking at my notes. Now, put a G next to that. Here we go. C-E-G. That is a C chord. C major. (laughs) 
Each note is its own quality, right? You can go a long way with just any one of those notes. Add them together. Can you still hear the individual notes? Do it one more time. Give me the full three. Can you hear the three? Can you hear them? Can you hear them? I can't see you. All right. But they sound fuller when they're together, right? I haven't stopped C from happening, have we? C's still there, E's still there, and G's still there. The Holy Spirit is something like that. I just like the musical explanation. I appreciate that. So now, I've given you different ways to think about the Holy Spirit. God, Father, and Jesus Christ. The Trinity. I've given you different ways to talk about the Trinity. Do you not feel better about life already? Who cares? Why does it matter? I mean, is it, is it an intellectual theological exercise so that, you know, I can walk around and say, well, we think there's one God and three persons? Well, yes, in part, but not mostly. The Trinity is not about having intellectual knowledge. It's about having an invitation that you can accept, which is to enter into a more intimate relationship with God. If God is creator, let's start there, okay? If God is creator, what does that say about your ability to enter into God through that creator experience? How many of you like being outdoors in the summer? It should be easy right here now, okay? You know, I don't know if it's your garden, your yard. You know that, you know, I like being out in the river fly fishing, being in the mountains, out in the lake, wherever you are. How many of you have ever gone out? Like, I remember when I was a kid and my parents took us into a... Um, uh, to see the Grand Tetons. And I was going, wow, these are m- amazing, you know. And, and who, made them, who made the Grand Tetons? And so I sit there and I look and go, hey, God, cool. It's like going to the museum and going, hey, that was painted by Van Gogh. Yay, Van Gogh. And off you go. But you don't stay in relationship with Van Gogh, right? You just acknowledge him that, oh, he did that. But the creator understanding of God is not simply to give God credit for the sunrises and sunsets. It is rather to be willing to enter into a relationship with the God who is still creating. It is to understand that God has not stopped working on the Grand Tetons, nor in your garden, nor in you. God gave you life. God created you. What does it mean if you begin to think that God is still creating you? What does it mean to think about really focusing and talking with this God who's expressing new life in you? What if your prayer is to this God who's giving you new life today? It's an invitation to be in an intimate relationship. What about the Son, the Redeemer? Well, we spend more time with Jesus in this church, don't we? Right? I think we do. We spend a lot of time talking about Jesus. Jesus is sort of the deal. I think we just heard them say, we'll give them what? Boy, you guys got to wake up. I can't do this on my own. Man, come on now. So we talk about Jesus all the time. But you know, I think you know this part already. 
When we talk about Jesus, we're not trying to talk about a historical figure, right? We're talking about you being in an intimate, ongoing, daily, what happened to you this morning with this person named Jesus. That's an invitation to understand that the, the Christ who showed me how to live can actually show me how to live today. I mean this afternoon. That that is not a role model of somebody back in the day, but Jesus is actively present with me, showing me how to live, and when I screw it up, which you all fully know I'm going to, he's going to be the one to forgive me. See, that's an invitation. Who are you praying to? God or Christ? My Lord, my Savior, my, my role model, my, my Redeemer. And the Holy Spirit? The early church discovered the Holy Spirit after Jesus Christ had left. Now, the reality is you can look at Scripture and you see where the Spirit was moving on the waters at creation. So we believe the Holy Spirit was with God in the very beginning. But the church never really figured it out until Jesus was gone and they were hurting. And all of a sudden, God sent this amazing power, which Jesus predicted that, they would do, that he would do. And this amazing power, wow! And the church got so excited, they went out and changed the world. And in the process got accused of being drunk. They did. Man, if we could only get that testimony going out there, we'd increase the congregation sevenfold. The Holy Spirit's still the very thing that changes things. It's the power, it's the electricity of God released into the world. So when I'm wanting power, when I got no power. Who am I going to pray to? Holy Spirit. And the invitation of the Trinity is for you to spend time with each of these manifestations, these essences, these persons, these experiences of God. Because if you just spend the rest of your life going, Hey God, man, you are missing out on so much. So last night, around 10.30, I was editing the sermon. I know, it doesn't seem like I did, but I did at 10.30. I'm going, okay, i got this illustration I want to use. And then the phone rings. It's my 90-year-old father, who sounds panicked as ever as my father sounds panicked. We just took your mom in an ambulance. We think she's had a heart attack. So I'm driving up last night, 10.35, to McLaren Hospital in Flint. Who am I praying to? Well, I'll tell you, you don't have to guess. I prayed to God. Because in some part, I figured God could sort it out in the mailbox. You you understand what I'm saying? But when I got there, I could pray to Christ. Because he's the one I know who heals. Because I've seen it. And I didn't have to... I didn't have to go, oh, gee, I wonder who this Jesus is because I've been in an intentional relationship with that part of the Trinity for a while now. So I just dialed Jesus straight up. And he took the call. 
And then I turn in the room, and my brother, who's 67 years old, trainably mentally impaired, who's scared of his mama, who's terrified of hospitals, he wonders what's going on with mamas are putting stuff inside of her. And then who do I pray to? I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Because I just need some spirit in the room bigger than the fear of my brother. Do you understand? The doctrine of the Trinity is not some ancient, bizarre concept. It is an invitation to you and to me and to the church to go deeper with God. To understand what is unique about this Christian God. Because there is stuff that's unique and powerful and not exclusive. We're not doing battle with other people's God because we have the Trinity. Because if you go to Jesus, he's the one who's more accepting and inclusive than anybody I've ever met in my life. But you've got to know that by getting close to Jesus, not just listening to the way people talk about Jesus. So the Trinity is your invitation this week. I don't mean one day when you get time. I mean this week. Get outside. See that flower. Look at that sunset. Go to that lake. Get on that river. I don't care where you are. And consider not only how blessed you are to be in a place where God could make something that amazing, but also so you can look in the mirror and go, God made you too and is still working on you. And ain't that good news? And don't just say Jesus when you stub your toe. You think I can't hear you. <laughs> Get close to him, man. Just snuggle up next to Jesus. Just keep saying his name. Just keep praying. Just give me Jesus. Sometimes you don't even know what that means because I don't know what that means, but i got to get next to him. I get to know him. And ask for the Holy Spirit because I'll tell you what. It's frustrating having a bunch of Christians who know stuff and don't have no power to do anything with it. Well, that's what I got on the Trinity, okay? Next week we're going to talk about can science and faith get along? But this week, figure out who your God is. It's worth the time. You don't know when you're going to need it.